0: Hello there, horror fans, and welcome to the To Watch Pile After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Justin McNamara, and whilst this isn't the first episode, it is certainly the first episode where I'll be counting down my top 50 favourite films. In other words, this is number 50 in the Top 50 Countdown. If it had a mind, you could reason with it. You could look it in the eye. If it had a body, you could shoot it. Now, man is no longer the supreme being on this planet. The organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. What happened tonight? What did happen? I want that organism alive. I think you pissed it off. The Blob tells of the quiet town of Arborville, California, a town whose normal winter season has been delayed and still the town prepares for it as it appears the town may come alive in the snow. In the hills behind the town, a vagrant witnesses a meteorite fall to earth and upon investigation, a weird, seemingly intelligent Blob-type object attaches itself to his hand. He panics and runs into local 'er ne'er-do-well Brian flag, Kevin Dillon, and a young couple on their first date Meg Penny, Shawnee Smith and Paul Taylor, Donovan Leach Jr who upon seeing the thing on his hand take him immediately to the local medical centre where whatever it was in his hands consumes both him and Paul of course Meg is disbelieved when she tells of Paul's demise and Brian is immediately suspected in the disappearance of him but very quickly with the appearance of a scientific team arriving in the town everyone believes them when they say something is not right the Blob continues to absorb every every living creature in its path, and it's revealed that it's not some weird creature from another world, but a horrifying weapon experiment gone horribly wrong. Will Megan Bryan survive, or more importantly, will the town survive? Chuck Russell directed and co-wrote this film with Frank Darabont, with whom he had previously worked on A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and has a soundtrack by Michael Honig and J. Peter Robinson. The special effects, which for 1988 are pretty kick ass, are done by Tony Gardner. My earliest memory of this remake of The Blob is the VHS packaging. Bright pink, and it stood out on a video shop shelf covered in black cases. I have a faint recollection of the cover of Fangoria that had this story in it, but I'm not sure they got that issue on release, and that I may have missed it and had to catch up by buying it from a second hand retailer on George Street in Sydney, New South Wales. Russell and Darabont's script has a few hokey attempts of being cool with a few Freddy Krueger-style wisecracks, but the story is solid and thrilling. For the most part, the cast are great, with highlights being Shawnee Smith from the first Saw films, who makes a delightfully scrappy and resourceful heroine, and Meg's father, played by Art LeFleur, whose ribbed line cracks me up every time. It's funny you can also tell that Frank Darabont had something to do with this story, as the Town Under Siege tale was one he perfected with his adaptation of Stephen King's The Mist several years later. Honestly, Gardner's special effects have a lot to do with my affection of the film. Yes, there's a clunker or two, but Paul's demise and a few others are sights to behold, and worthy of a little of the admiration bestowed upon the great special effects that John Carpenter's The Thing gets. As far as being a remake goes, and if my withered old brain serves me well, Letters to every movie magazine of the time shouted down this remake as being somewhat creatively corrupt, but it's not an issue to which I subscribe. I like remakes. I like to see what different creative teams offer the same story. I find the same appeal with comics, even though comics are a more character-driven commodity. I do like to see direct artistic takes on an origin or an aesthetic. A creatively corrupt remake is one that either echoes the original absolutely, like Gus Van Sant's redundant psycho remake or when it goes so far up off script that it doesn't reflect the original at all like the 2005 house of wax remake that was more a tourist trap remake that it did itself a disservice by taglining itself with the line see paris die in reference to seeing the heiress who had decided to be an actor this week get butchered by the killer who owned the titular premises the blob sat that fine line that, and I show you John Carpenter's thing again as a point of reference, it used the original as a kickoff point, then both modernized and deliberately subverted it to make it something different, and it really works all the way through. The unfortunate thing for this film is that it was unsuccessful. With a $19 million budget, it required far more than its $8.2 million box office to be deemed a success. Leonard Moulton gave the film a mere 2 out of 4 stars and described it as an unnecessary remake, and it wasn't received very well by others either. Thankfully, it has reached somewhat of a cult status of the years have gone by, not just for its special effects, but also for some of the minor characters who are as quirky as quirky can get. Box offers and critical reviews be damned though, I really like this film, and I honestly couldn't tell you how many times I've seen it. In Australia at the moment, the current release is an awesome 2 plaque Blu-ray from Umbrella Entertainment, which has the original film and this remake. But you'll only put the original in for one spin, whereas this will be revisited many times. Thank you so much for listening to this second episode of the To Watch Pile After Dark. See you next episode.